all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. And that was a deliberately goofy intro because this is going to be awful. (laughs) I have been dreading this episode. But anyway, follow us. (laughs) Yes, please do. Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Join our discussion group on Facebook. You can email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Look at how fast I'm getting in that. Yeah, we're actually, we've done a good job of remembering it, yeah. saying that too. I just have to do it right off the top or I, I won't remember. So have have you heard any good jokes that we can tell? No. Oh. Nobody would want to hear them anyway. Uh, um, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Sorry for the poor audio <laughs> issues. Past couple episodes, there was a lot of thumping in last week's episode. I think it's because I kept hitting the, um, we have our microphone because we're such a high-tech organization here (laughs) such a professionally run podcast we have our microphone on like a little hollow chest of drawers so of course every time we like hit it it (laughs) makes this hollow thumping sound so that was my fault um and then i forgot to mention in the ronin point episode something went totally weird with our garage band the program we use and i thought we'd mentioned something about that i think i forgot to anyway it was super echoey and weird and sorry about that yeah our computer was legitimately just uh messing up that night a couple of times and that's why we decided we'll just come back to this and it never and then it did a weird thing yeah. yeah so we're not sure what's going on with that um Still trying not to curse. We did pretty good last week. We had to stop a couple times. We had to, we had to edit on the spot <laughs> we did. once or twice, but hey. <laughs> it's going to be really hard today. Mm-hmm. It's going to be even harder next week. That's what she said. <laughs> so, again, just trying to add a little levity, a <laughs> little levity, because this is bad. We've gotten really good feedback on part one of Grenfell, and I really appreciate that. That's very, very nice um, that that uh, people who've offered kind words have done so. I appreciate that a lot. Um, I didn't know, as I said last week, I didn't know when I started this that it was going to be such a deep dive. Um, But to prepare you for this week's episode, for today's episode, the entire episode will be about the fire itself. And next week we'll deal with the aftermath. Um, So today's episode is possibly one of the darkest we've ever done, which is saying a lot. (laughs) Listening, I didn't finish listening to last week's, but I listened to maybe like the first half of it at work. But it made me realize that uh, I believe this is our fourth trip to London, or at least third. Yes, I think uh, the, Bethnal Green. Yep. The um, Stampede, the um, the kids in the Victoria Hall, hall. I think, I, I still didn't look into whether that was London or not. <laughs> I think it is. Was it? It might have been. The Smog, Great Smog of London. And then um, Ladbroke Grove. So I think this yep. might be our fifth trip to London. Sixth, because Ronan Point. And you've done them all. Oh. Which means you hate London. 
Well, <laughs> just, you just like I hate Cleveland because <laughs> I've done all the Cleveland episodes. That's true, fair and enough. We've been there three times, and fair I'm enough. I'm physically going there in three weeks. That's so, right. So like yeah, I, it's only I, a few weeks away. I joked on Twitter or somewhere. I'm like, like I hope nobody in Cleveland recognizes my voice. <laughs> you do have a recognizable voice. You have a very good voice. Thank you. Yeah. It'd be funny if somebody in Cleveland did listen to our show and I just wound up randomly running into somebody. The person who gave us that one star review for hating on Cleveland is going to be at that game, like sitting right in front of you. They'll recognize your voice and punch your lights out. No, because they'll they'll ask me if I host a podcast and I'll be like, no. <laughs> Not in Cleveland. Yeah, that's a, that's like a study a, deniability. Well, I'll get a good look at the guy, size him up, and be like, yes or no. It'd most likely be no. And... uh <laughs> I'd be like podcast. What is that? I've never, never even heard of it. I'm I'm over forty. I don't know what a podcast <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, mm. that, that was wasn't a... meant to be insulting. That was more mm. just meant to. Be... <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. That's okay. <laughs> hey, I I left the door open. You closed it. Fair enough. But um. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're just putting it off the inevitable, aren't we? Pretty much. So <laughs> much to people's. Uh, dislike or delight one or the other i guys once we get started on this one i think we're all gonna yeah, want there's, to there's no going back so let's yeah. just let's just get into it shall we tear off the f- whatever one tear hour the long band-aid. band-aid this is gonna be okay so um on june 14th 2017 a massive fire engulfed the grenfell tower council flats killing 72 people and injuring dozens more um, I'm pretty sure that's the exact same sentence I used last week. I don't think I changed it. Uh, so we're getting the, the today's just going to be all about the fire, the fire itself. Um, and I think it's because this was so recent, there was so much information. Sure. Uh, so that's why this is a story that's taking so long to tell. A lot of times in like some of our more historic disasters, there's just not a ton of unique information out there. But in this case, because it was only two years ago, everyone had cell phones because, I mean, we're only talking two years ago. Um, every everyone, everyone had top quality yes, cell phones. Uh, uh, yep, uh, uh, smartphones, like we're iPhones. Not, we're not talking about smartphone video from like 2009. No, where it's like no. still kind of grainy, grainy and not, little. Yeah, not exactly there yet. <laughs> no, we're, we're talking. Ta- I mean, you can go into, I did a little bit. Did you? Unwittingly, or not unwittingly. Um, not unwi- prepared. Unwisely. Oh, okay. Because I had seen a couple of them when this was going on. I was right. like, oh, let me put myself in the frame of mind. And I was just like, oh, I shouldn't have watched any of this you know i actually only ended up watching a like maybe 30 seconds of footage uh which is not entirely unusual for me i'm not huge on the visuals as far pictures yes video no and i'm not sure why unless there's like a specific like hillsboro i don't know i don't know this was the this anyway Oh, I feel like I'm going down a little rabbit hole. Let me just uh, first cite my sources. So I used Wikipedia almost not at all. Okay. Just for a couple of things. My major sources for this episode were the Grenfell Tower inquiry, which we will be getting into next week. But this source is amazing because like all of the of the information that was uncovered after the fact is public and has been uploaded to this website. And I'm pretty sure it's grenfelltowerinquiry.co.uk. 
And it's amazing. It includes witness statements and a, a firefighting timeline, like the whole bit. It's exhaustive, literally, which is good because that's what an inquiry should be. But again, we'll get to that more next week. Also, uh, a an article from GQ called Trapped, the Grenfell Tower Story Ooh. by Tom Lamont. That was from uh, November of last year. The, the Telegraph, The Guardian, and the BBC. So lots of British sources here, which I think is important because that's exactly where this happened. So, so last week we covered the lead up to this awful fire. So again, if you haven't listened to, I would suggest starting at Ronan Point, then last week's episode, and then now. So we talked about the construction of Grenfell Tower to its ill-fated renovation ending in 2016. And that background is super important. So again, I, I recommend... Uh, listening to that so right now we are going to start with the fire now fires are super disturbing for many reasons i mean nothing that we cover is nice that's why we're called all bad things there's something really unsettling about fires well i think it's because there's a lot generally a lot of suffering involved yes i think that's the main thing i i agree i i think that's probably a big part of it so As we say in the beginning of every episode, trigger warning for everything possible, this one is going to get really grim. So if you're just not in a good place right now mentally, this might just be a good time to go Skip over this one. (laughs) It might be a good time to go back and listen to 10 Cent Beer Night or Disco Demolition Night. (laughs) I think Disco Demolition Night was a little bit more fun, but they're both fun. fun. (laughs) They're they're both baseball riots. There's nothing not fun about that. Exactly. And I'm talking Major League Baseball riots, not like a t-ball game. Right. The infamous T-ball riots. <laughs> hey, hey, with how crazy sports sports are today, I wouldn't be surprised if it hasn't happened somewhere in right? America. Right, probably, probably. Hey, my kid's going to go pro someday. He's mm-hmm. seven. Like, you have no idea. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So we're diving very deeply into this fire. It's going to be descriptive and narrative, and it will take an entire episode. We may take a break. I might randomly break into song to break the tension. I don't know. I cannot guarantee. Just as long as it's not a copywritten song. Yes, I'll have to think back to public domain (laughs) songs. All right. So first, let's orient ourselves to Grenfell Tower. So as we might recall from last week's episode... Originally, the first four floors of the building were used for non-residential purposes, but then in the renovations, the fourth floor was converted to flats. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. And I think, from what I could tell, maybe... So there were 120 flats originally, six flats per floor on 20 floors. But then they converted a floor, so that added six, but there actually were a total of 129 flats from what I could gather. They actually added a few more in one of the one or more of the common floors of the first three. So anyway, it was a little fuzzy on that, but there were 129 flats total. But as for, because we're going to be naming different stories, so just to clarify, the first floor so remember there was a basement right and then the first floor on ground level was called the ground floor the next floor was called the first floor and so on so in other words when i say the fourth floor it's the fourth floor but the fifth story so does that make sense yeah okay all right 
So on the fourth floor or fifth story of Grenfell Tower was flat 16. And it was one of the two bedroom flats at Grenfell. Remember, they were all one or two bedrooms. Um, I saw um, a map or a floor plan. The Remember, the, the stairs in the elevator were in the middle. Mm-hmm. The one bedroom flats were on either end of that. And then there were two two bedroom flats on the other ends. Okay. That makes sense. So anyway, so flat 16 was one of the two bedroom flats at Grenfell and it was located on the northeast corner of the building and it was occupied by three people, Bahelu Kabere, Elsa Afawarki, and Almaz Kinfu. And I'm going to show you a picture of Bahelu Kabere. <laughs> Isn't that a fun picture? Mm-hmm. He's just... Kicking back, drinking a beer, looks like a guy you just want to have a beer with. And poor, poor Behalu's life is going to change in mm-hmm. this particular moment. So, unfortunately. So, Behalu Kabere was a 45-year-old local Uber driver. He was originally born in Ethiopia and migrated to the UK in 1990. And he was a very long-time resident of Grenfell Tower. He lived there for 25 years at this point in 2017. So almost the entire time he's been in Very close the UK. to it. Yeah, he he moved in just a couple of years after afterwards. Yeah. Around 2012, Behalu bought a new refrigerator, the Hotpoint FF17BP. And Hotpoint Hotpoint is a brand made by Whirlpool. So oh. For the record, well, I, we'll expect a a new refrigerator, freezer, something for that plug whirlpool thing. I'm you. not sure we're going to... Let's listen to the rest of this <laughs> before we decide. We don't want that model. <laughs> we want one of the newer ones. <laughs> so, uh, for the record, I saw a lot of reference to this refrigerator being called a fridge freezer. But it, it actually looked like a standard refrigerator. Maybe it's a cultural thing or that's what they're called. Because... Technically, it is a fridge and freezer. So, you know, standard top portion is the freezer, bottom portion is the fridge. So I don't know if it's just in the UK that they're called, quote, fridge freezers. I think here in the US, if you say you have a fridge, it's assumed that there's a freezer included. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. I don't know, anyway. It's just the local dialect, man. (laughs) Yes. Now, obviously, I'm not just going on about each appliance <laughs> that Bahalu Kabede bought. Yeah, we're going to talk about his toaster next. <laughs> yes, let's talk about that black and decor. No, no, no. All right. So on the night of Tuesday, June 13th, 2017, Bahalu dropped off his last Uber fare around 11.15 p.m. And he got home about 15 minutes later, around 11.30. Now, Bahalu slept on a mattress on the living room floor and his two flatmates got the bedrooms. So he was just um, sleeping in the living room. So when he got home, the bedroom doors were closed. So his flatmates were tucked in for the night. He went and washed his face and then went to bed. I mean, it was late, right? It was almost 1130 or it was past 1130 at night. Um, unfortunately for Bahalu, he would not get much sleep that night, and unfortunately, neither would the rest of the residents of Grenfell Tower. Now, as to how many people were actually in the building, there was some variation in what I read somewhere in the ballpark of between 290 and 320. So around, let's okay. say around 300 sure. residents, right? At approximately 12.50 a.m. local time, and this is just approximate, 
And only that that would have been only about an hour after Bahalu Kabede went to bed, he was awoken by the sound of a fire alarm inside the flat. Now there were two fire alarms in the house or in the apartment. One was in the hallway and one was in the kitchen. And the way Bahalu recalls it was that the one in the kitchen was going off, but not the one in the hall. Now, Bahalu was sleeping on a mattress in the living room, so obviously he was going to hear a kitchen fire alarm a lot easier than his two roommates who were in the bedrooms with the doors closed, right? And not only that, but he recalled that the alarm actually sounded kind of fainter than he recalled when they installed and tested the fire alarms a couple years earlier. So that would be another reason that his flatmates didn't immediately notice it. He initially was the only person to hear it, woke up, and like started looking around. So he walked into the kitchen, and that's when he noticed smoke, light-colored smoke, coming from the general area of the refrigerator and a window right near the refrigerator that had been open about 10 inches. We're talking, it's June, right? It's uh, in the UK, which to my understanding, Europe in general does not have as common, it's not as common to have air conditioning No. in, in that area, yeah. It's not <clears throat> used as frequently. We found that out this past summer after they were reaching, like, Mm. record highs all over Europe. He, and, that's one of the reasons heat waves no, are so nobody, brutal. Like nobody had air conditioning. Yeah, hardly. yeah. Which is which is interesting because I would say from, I don't know what what point, because it's not entirely uncommon here in the States for um, more north, people who live farther up north to not have AC. Yeah, like, did I did. You have I AC growing up? No, okay. we didn't have central air. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Miami, so obviously we had it. <laughs> But here, it's everyone has AC, and this is like halfway up the coast. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's pretty common now in many yeah, places probably. in the states, if not most. So, so that's kind of a, a another cultural difference. So the window had been open about ten inches. Makes sense. Let some air in. And though uh, Behela would later recount that he was quote in a state of shock, end quote. Because, yeah, you get, like, woken up in the middle of the night. You see smoke coming out of your kitchen. Yeah, that's that's a shocking sight. I agree. He actually didn't give himself nearly enough credit for really reacting incredi- incredibly appropriately. This guy was a quick thinker. So he immediately grabbed his phone, his mobile, his mobile phone, And he threw on a pair of pants because he was in bed. He was just like in a T-shirt and shorts, threw on a pair of pants and then banged on his roommate's bedroom door and was like, fire, fire, fire. So his first instincts were perfect, right? Grab the phone. (laughs) I understand the yes, put on a pair of pants. Don't want an XYZ situation or whatever. And go uh, and, and go warn your roommates. He did everything right there. So though he would understandably later have some trouble recalling the exact sequence of events over the next couple minutes, Behalu kept acting very quickly and very appropriately. So he ran out of the apartment. There was a firebox. This is interesting because I'm not ever really heard of this, but there was like a a controller to the electricity in the flat. Maybe it's a fuse box, basically. Anyway, right outside the front of the flat. 
And he had the wherewithal to turn off the electric to the flat. Like, man, if this was some sort of electrical fire, let me just kill the electricity so nothing else happens, sparks, whatever. Yeah, that must have been maybe just for his floor. I don't know. No, it's for his apartment. Oh, just it, for his like, place. Yeah, okay. like think about. I was gonna say our, it's definitely uh, not the whole building. No, 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 no. Like think but of the circuit breaker. I think no, it was I'd, like a circuit probably. breaker. Probably. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about like, this is our essentially. Well, I guess you could call them condos too. Yeah, I, I apartments. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I guess I wasn't thinking something like They'd that would be individual. necessarily available for mm. an individual apartment. Yeah. But. Yeah, I guess so. So, so he did that, and he, he, uh, after he did that, he ran around each, to each apartment, each front door on the fourth floor, and banged on the door and made sure people were getting out of their apartments. Um, in the meantime, he had taken his phone and called 999, which in okay. the States, that's, that would be 911 emergency services, right? It actually took him a couple tries to get through. I saw a couple of accounts that said that. So I don't know if something was wrong with his phone or just the connection or, I mean, it's a major city. So maybe he it was busy or something. There, there are plenty of stories of various uh, people trying to call 911 here in the States at points and having trouble getting through. So that, that could have been it. So because, uh, and he did eventually get through, but um, because of Behalu's warnings, all the residents on the fourth floor, like, came out and congregated in the common area and spotted the smoke come starting to come from flat 16. They noticed, uh, or at least Behalu noticed, that the smoke, you know, had been kind of light colored earlier and it was starting to turn darker. It was also starting to come out of the flat. So, but he also recounted later that he never actually smelled smoke. So it was the visual hmm. of it. It's just something interesting. I mean, also, it could have been that his adrenaline was running so high that he just never noticed or whatever. So around 12.56 a.m., the fourth floor residents proceeded to evacuate via the emergency staircase to safety, right? In case of emergency, do not use the elevator, use the stairs. They did exactly that. There was an elevator in the core of the building, and there was also the staircase. So they ran down the stairs. Behalu and his roommate Elsa were the last of the fourth floor residents to leave at 12.59 a.m., indicating that Behalu was was a really good guy who did everything he could to act as appropriately as possible in this situation and also make sure that his neighbors were safe. And this is, you can see how he's just like, ah! Um, but, but still, you can see he's barefooted because mm-hmm. he just hopped out of bed. Um, but that's him on CCTV. Wow. Um, within the building, having reacted and helped his neighbors evacuate. So Behalu's 999 called ha- call had been logged at 12.54 a.m. local time. And that's when control room officer Pam or CRO Pamela Jones took his call. And it lasted about a minute and a half. Behalu made it very clear that this was a bad thing, he he told Jones, quick, 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 it's burning. Like, even though this was a small fire in his house, just in his flat, he was like, no, 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 this is a fire, you gotta come. Uh, now, during the call, Jones dispatched firefighters to Grenfell, right? And that's part of what an uh, emergency service operator does. Three fire engines were selected and dispatched by the automated system, which is called the vision system, was carrying a total of 16 firefighters. A couple minutes later, the incident was escalated, like, oh, oh this is a high-rise. Oh, uh, 
let's go ahead and send another engine. So they did. They An additional engine was dispatched. And then at 12.59 a.m., the first en- fire engine arrived at Grenfell. And at this point, it was, you know, estimated that the bulk of residents were still inside. Really, only the fourth floor people were the ones to immediately evacuate. So, uh, gonna take a second to <laughs> stop. Wait a minute. I don't know. I told you I might, I might sing. That was such a short amount, they couldn't possibly come after me for copywriting. So anyway, let's talk about something. We're going to just set the fire aside for a second and talk about something called the stay put policy. So the stay put policy is a fire safety plan for multiple residence buildings. So basically like apartment buildings, high rises, that sort of thing. And the policy states that if a fire occurs in an apartment building and it's located either in a common area or in a flat where you're located, like so if it's in your home or if it's in a common area, you should get out if you can, right? Evacuate. Oh, those are the fireworks from the, the fair, aren't they? I doubt they're being picked up on the mic. Oh, well, it, it's all right. I don't mind. It's a moment of levity. If you can hear any explosions outside, the state fair started tonight. And it's, it's like, just fireworks. It's just fireworks. <laughs> and, and and it's like, what, two miles down the road? Pretty much. At best, yeah. yeah. So, Not anyway. very far away. No. <laughs> so, if, however, the fire is not in your flat, it's in somebody else's, there's no smoke encroaching your home or whatever... The idea is that it's safer for you to close your doors and windows and stay put. No. Fuck no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Even if you're in like a three-story building, well, probably even more so, that's a bad idea. Mm. If you're in a high-rise, if you can't get out immediately and the fire spreads and keeps... You're not getting out at all. I'm sorry. Like, that's... If there's a fire in your building, do what... What's his name again? Oh, the, the halo. Mm-hmm. Do what he did mm-hmm. and then get your ass out. Yeah, well, so he actually did the right thing yes. by all accounts, yeah. even by the stay put policy, because the fire was in his flat. So he should evacuate, even by the stay put policy. And so should everybody else. Well, yes. <laughs> and we'll get to that next week in a little more depth. But let's keep talking about this, a little bit of background on this. So. To be clear, as much as this sounds like a terrible idea, there are some caveats to it. So the idea was intended, this policy is intended for structurally sound buildings whose construction method methods are optimized for fire resistance. But I have a question for you. Based on last week's episode, do you think that Grenfell Tower was structurally sound and built with construction methods op- optimized to be fire resistant? Hell no. <laughs> As we recall it, basically, had the, cling film all the over it. The <laughs> first place that came to my mind that would fit that description, though, mm-hmm. would be a modern day stadium, because okay. everything, because pretty much everything inside is concrete, and oh, the, the yeah. fire is not going to spread hardly at all. Okay. So, yeah. so, so that's the thing. This policy was meant for good buildings. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a good building. Not meant for yeah. No, this is a tinderbox. <laughs> remember, so. The idea is to keep residents, when it works in structurally sound buildings and and fire-resistant buildings, the idea is to keep 
residents in unaffected parts safe by keeping them where they are instead of trying to evacuate and ending up going to a more dangerous part of the building or being exposed to smoke or clogging up stairwells while firefighters are trying to get up or something like that. The concept behind it makes sense. And also, it's not a legal mandate. It's advice. It's a it's a guideline, right? Now, that being said, if it's if it is an actual policy that's approved by, say, the National Fire Chiefs Council, which it was, or say your own tenant management organization, then you're likely to think it's pretty sound advice that you should definitely follow. And such was the case at Grenfell Tower. So I'm going to show you a sign that was actually posted at Grenfell. You want to read that for us? says, Fire Action Grenfell Tower. There's and, oh, and a, who's this? Kensington and Chelsea TMO, Tenant Management Organization. We called, we talked about them last mm-hmm. week. Remember the people who were sitting on wads and wads of cash and wanted to save 300,000 pounds on cladding? That's that them. That would be them. Okay. There is a stay put policy for residents unless the fire is in or affecting your flat. If you discover a fire in your flat slash block, you should A... Leave at once, shutting the doors behind you. B. Use the staircase and exit the building. C. Telephone the fire brigade by dialing 999 or 112 and advise. Fire at Grenfell Tower, Lancaster West Estate, uh, W111TQ. I think that's their postal code. Yeah, probably. That's what, yeah. Wait for the fire brigade to arrive. Do not re-enter the building. If you are safely within your flat and there is a fire elsewhere in the block, you should initially be safe to stay in your flat, keeping the doors and windows closed. Yeah. Is that making you feel a little yeah, about this I'm, whole thing? Yeah. yeah. This policy had also been publicized to the residents of Grenfell in 2014 in a building newsletter. So by and large, between these signs, the announcements and everything, that's what had been publicized to the residents to do. Stay put. Now, to reiterate, the idea behind the policy is nuanced and qualified. So in other words, there are caveats. You should be safe if you are in a safe building, if the fire isn't in your flat, if the situation doesn't change, if, 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 if. That's a lot for somebody in a scary situation, like, oh, there's a fire downstairs, to be trying to qualify and think through, well, right? It's, it's just like the uh, the MGM Grand. Like, you know, everybody's a firefighter. <laughs> yeah. If well, something... Get if something happens, you know, they know how to do it. Everybody's It'll had that easy. training. It'll be easy. They don't need sprinklers. <laughs> right? Yes, which, remember, Grenfell didn't. Nope. Um, now, further, this policy, as based on our own reactions to this, is pretty anti-intuitive, right? Uh, yeah, it makes no sense. And it it doesn't, really not doesn't. Not on the face of it. It's, I'll put it this way: it's contrary to anything I've ever been taught. Yeah, get out. Get out. It's, yeah, get out safely. Don't get be a, an idiot. Get out safely, know? quickly, and don't bring anything with you. Just get out. And the reason <laughs> I'm laughing is because I I just had to edit out an f bomb. That's yeah. okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. We're probably gonna have a few more of those. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> yeah, all right. So yes, just get out. That's the intuitive thing. And in one serve and and public opinion also falls in line with this because in one survey, seventy two percent of respondents said they would not stay put if there was a fire in their building, regardless of whether the fire was in their home or not. Especially if you're in a high rise. Exactly. I mean, 
Further, 39% of respondents said they didn't think the construction of their own building would hold up to a fire. So there's like a low level of public confidence. And I couldn't find the details of this survey, like where it was. I think it was British, but I'm not positive. So anyway, so are we ready to go back to the fire? Sure. All right. So here's the thing about the fire in Behalu's flats. It was a small house fire. It was located on a lower floor. It was quickly noticed, quickly reported. The fire brigade was immediately dispatched. And just like Run and Point almost 50 years before, this should have been an isolated incident for where the firefighters were able to rush upstairs, extinguish the fire. And while it would have been incredibly frightening for everybody on the fourth floor, and it would probably have displaced Behalu and his roommates and required repairs and stuff, it shouldn't have been a major problem, just like the small gas explosion in Ivy Hodge's flat shouldn't have caused the collapse of an entire corner of Ronin Point, killing five people, right? This, okay, the firefighters, first dispatched to Grenfell Tower, spoke to Behalu, who explained where his flat was, where he saw the first flames, like he literally said, I think it was by the fridge and by the window. He, he, like, he didn't get close enough to say, oh, it was literally right here. He was just like, look, it's on the Gave wall. By the, area. Yeah, it's on the wall. I think it may have been coming from the fridge, maybe the window, something around that, that area. So the firefighters made their way upstairs to the fourth floor. Now, between the commotion from the residents of the fourth floor, the fire engines arriving with their sirens and everything, some of the other residents of, at Grenfell had, because remember, we're talking like 1 a.m., so had woken up and started down the stairs. So the firefighters actually passed some people on the way up. So some people wow. were just like, all right, excuse me, stay put. No, I, yeah. what's going on? And left and, and just, just got out. Uh, a few other fast acting residents had already made their way outside the building from upper floors when the firefighters first arrived. One resident from the 13th floor, a woman named Fatima Alves, had made her way down to the building entrance and asked firefighters like, oh, is it okay if I go back upstairs? My kids are in there. Oh my God. Like, I think she had a 16 year old and and another kid. Anyway, um, she was advised, yeah, you shouldn't go back in, but your kids should be okay. Mm. Yeah. At what uh, they were like, you know what? This fire's on the fourth floor. Your kids are on the twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, you should. It should be all right. Stay put. At one o two a.m., Behalu took a picture on his phone of his flat kitchen window from the grounds outside. And as yeah, you can that, see, that doesn't look good at all. It's very there's like red and glowing. It's very red on the inside. Red of and glowing. Yeah. Yes. And by this time, God. smoke. Was coming out of the clearly, window. Clearly coming red out. Red flames were, glow of red flames was visible. At 1.07 a.m., the first firefighting team entered flat 16 with a fire hose. But a plume of thick black smoke escaped when the door was opened, which initially forced them back. It took them a couple minutes to regroup, get the right breathing apparatus, all that stuff. In the meantime, on the outside, 
the fire was spreading out the window, also captured on video by Bahalu. He was taking footage, video footage this whole time, as were many other people eventually. As the fire crew continued inside to fight the blaze in the kitchen of Flat 16, this little fire found its way outside and to a new source of fuel, the cladding. And we have made it this far without even mentioning the word cladding, uh, which in the case of Grenfeld is basically like saying um, they that shall not be named like Lord Voldemort, if I'm correct. I never read Hedy Potter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Harry Potter. That's that was, that's my Scottish accent. Harry Potter. That was necessarily though that that helped break up the uh, the tension a little. See, is, we got to get a little a little something in Harry here. Po- sure, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. And the Sorcerer's Stone. So regroup. We just took a slight break. We needed it after the Harry Potter. Ah, good moment of levity. Harry Potter. Yes. Now back to the horribleness. So, as you may remember, as I hope you remember, uh, from last week's episode, to save £300,000 on the renovation of Grenfell, despite sitting on a couple hundred million in reserves, unmarked reserves, or unallocated reserves, the decision had been made by the Kensington and Chelsea Council and TMO to switch from zinc to aluminum sandwich cladding, which contained polyethylene mm. plastic in between two thin layers of aluminum. So the little fire God. that started in Behalu's flat found this little layer of plastic and went to town. So um, this was noticed by firefighters around 1.12 a.m. One firefighter said that the fire was, quote, Sparking and spitting, end that quote. Just doesn't sound that good. Does at not all. sound good, and it made him quote feel uncomfortable. That's quote. definitely not. good. I do not want a firefighter to feel uncomfortable. No, I do not want a firefighter. And you know, to feel it would only be in an extreme condition where they felt that way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would think it'd be like, yeah, we've seen this. Okay, seen we this got this under times control. Before, but this guy's like. We're about to deal with something we've never dealt with before. Or that is not going to end well. That too. Even if even if he had. Even if they have, to, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, another awkward cut. You took the Lord's name in vain, sir. I did. Some people's Lord's name in vain. So, all right. So, yes, not good. Uh, of course, feeling uncomfortable at a sparking, spitting fire, climbing up the side of a 24-story building is understandable. More fire engines were called to the scene and shortly after aerial assistance was requested, which makes sense. Um, to <laughs> making like a shower motion. Pour water, water. I, I would guess. I don't know entirely sure. what aerial assistance means. Anyway, as for the residents... I was just enjoying watching you. <laughs> my little sign language for shower. Like the worst mime ever. <laughs> That's pretty much what I am. Oh, boy. As for the residents who remained inside, guess what? There also wasn't. So there are no sprinklers. There also was oh no... Oh, my God. There's no fire extinguishers. No communal fire alarm. Oh, my God. So uh, people who... Are there fire extinguishers? 
So I didn't find much I reference. I don't think there were either. Oh, you, yes, there were. Oh. Remember, they were ex- they were expired and condemned. That's what it was. Yes. Okay. We so that last week. So essentially, there there were Worthless. not. <laughs> like you said last week, I think like you could throw it at something, but that'd be yeah. about it. You'd all. use it as a blunt object. Yes. I believe. That, <laughs> but there was really no need for yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's its only use at this point. <laughs> yes, exactly. So essentially, the, yes, there are no fire extinguishers because mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So they might as well not be there. Now, so, so those who did wake up, and we'll get to this in just a second, there were plenty of people who were already awake, but hold, put a pin in that, as they say. Um, so, but those who, who did wake up, like, had a choice to make. They could either follow the stay put protocol that they had been assured was the right way to, right, by the TMO. Oh, just, it's all right. Just, if it's not in your flat, just stay where you are. It'll be safer for you. Or to follow what most people's instincts would probably be and try to GTFO. I think it's okay to say that, right? Sure. Okay. So. Plus we we have to stay hip with our youth demographic. (laughs) You know, I'm almost in the next like age bracket. So a lot of times it'll be like, are you 18 to 24 or 35 to 50? Well, I'm like. 18 to 34 for another <laughs> two months. So, yeah, I'm feeling old these days. Anyway, but here's something that was very important that was not happening in Grenfell Tower at the point. <laughs> A cat scratching at the floor. No, here's what it was. Uh, Grenfell Tower was not being evacuated. Mm-hmm. The stay put protocol was in place from the fire brigade's perspective. So they were not actively trying to rescue people. The state put protocol was still in effect from their end. Um, So they were not encouraging residents to leave, nor were they retrieving residents from the higher floors. More than 600 emergency calls were logged from inside Grenfell Tower throughout the night. And at this point, almost all were being told to stay in their flats. So as time wore on, the fire was just ripping through the cla- the plastic and the cladding. By 1.26 a.m., it had made its way to the top floor on the northeast side of the oh building. My God. I have a very dramatic photo to show you. This is a time lapse. This Look is what the that. fire looked like at 1.08. That's uh, what's his name's that, original yes, photo, correct? Yes, that's Halo's. Um, uh, yes, you're right. There's one fifteen seven minutes later. Oh Look at this. God. This is 16 minutes later. It's all the way all up the way to the top. top. Yeah, it made it to the 24th story in a matter of, well, this is about a half hour into the fire, period. Mm-hmm. But by the time it was, like, some the, of the flames were visible. From the first known photograph of the fire to 18 minutes later, it's, it's gone. It's torn all, all the way up the, up the side, side of the building. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's oh, and just in case you needed a reminder of how fast fire can spread. Oh yeah, especially when it has a fuel like plastic, highly it must have flammable. So plastic. awful. Jesse, stop eating the script, please. <laughs> He's literally tearing off little pieces with his teeth. He's upset too. He is very upset. He wants this to have never happened, and I agree with you. Don't eat paper. Don't eat paper. No. It's fine. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Oh, he knew we just needed another another light moment. Anyway. And uh, we will try our hardest to remember to put all these pictures on yes, yes. Instagram and Twitter so you and can Facebook. see. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Although these are 
there's there, lots of pictures. Yeah, there's something anybody can look up themselves, but yes. just in case you want the yep. same information we have, yeah. we'll put those up. So one police officer at the scene described this fire as, quote, the building was melting. Oh, my God. End quote. And this isn't really hyperbole. This no, is plastic. No, actually, it's not. That's true. So this plastic was melting. And I cannot imagine the smell. Like I said, I've, I've <sighs> yeah. smelled... Toxic fumes. Burning Highly plastic. Highly toxic fumes. It's, it's, Absolutely. Ugh. And the people inside we're starting to get the smoke from these oh, highly toxic fumes. Of it's, course. it's horrible. Oh, man. So firefighters had to also deal with malfunctioning equipment. The fire lift, the smoke ventilation system, and the plumbing used to get water to the top of the building for fire extinguishing use all failed. The Grenfell Action Group had been completely correct in the worst way possible. Grenfell Tower was indeed a fire trap, which is exactly what they called it. They were right. They were completely right. Now, between the time the fire began and approximately 1.30 a.m., the stairwell remained passable. So, in other words, people could get out within the first about 30 to 40 minutes of this fire. The majority of those residents who did... Yeah, after that, it's... Who did choose oh. to evacuate did so... Um, between 1.19 and 1.38 a.m. when a total of 110 residents escaped, which is, I mean, 72 people we know didn't make it, but that's good. That's a, that's a large amount of people. Now, it's important to note something here. Remember I said um, that, oh, most people woke up, but there was also a large number of people who were already awake? Yeah. You know why that was? It, I mean, it was, in, it was in the middle of the night and plenty of residents were asleep, but a significant number of residents were actually awake already, making them more easily aware and like kind of hearing what was going. There was no fire alarm, but they could hear like, oh, there's fire engine. I wonder where that is. Or like, what's all this commotion going on downstairs, seeing what was going on and being able to get out? You see. I've never been there, but I would imagine London is similar to New York City in the, in the sense that it's a 24-hour city. Now, that's a really good guess, but there's a much more specific reason for this. Oh. Grenfell Tower had ethnically and religiously diverse residents, including a significant number of practicing Muslims. And between May 26th and June 24th of 2017 was the holy month of Ramadan, observed by the Muslim community as a month of fasting and prayer. So those who practice fasting during Ramadan do not eat or drink between sunrise and sunset, called um, Fajr and Maghrib, sunrise and sunset. Once the sun has set, iftar, or dinner, is eaten. Since the sun sets pretty late in mid-June, because we're, at this point, it's only a week away from the longest day of the year, right, in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, that by the time they ate dinner and then there was prayer afterwards, a lot of people who were practicing Muslims weren't going to bed until 2 or 2.30 in the morning, meaning they were already awake. And that is one of the... You know, you know, I'm not a big fan of organized religion, but in this case, religion saved some people's lives. Literally practicing their religion did. So their lives, yeah, were potentially saved by practicing their religion. And further, there were reports of multiple um, Muslim residents alerting their neighbors, waking them up and saving their neighbors' lives as well. Sure. So that I thought that was really interesting. And thank you... 
Oh man, I forgot to look up who it was. Somebody mentioned that on our Facebook discussion group, and that's why I brought it up. So thank you, somebody. Thank you, somebody. You are somebody. <laughs> so um, at 1:42 a.m., the fire fully spread up the entire north side of. I put the towner. The tower. Between about 1.40 a.m. and 2 a.m., another 20 residents managed to evacuate. By 2.04 a.m., an additional 40 fire engines were requested, and this was upgraded to, finally, to a major incident. Uh, So, uh, on the inside of the building, the smoke spread very quickly due to the fact that many of the fire doors on the stairwells didn't seal properly, and in some cases didn't even close. It's shocking. Uh, It's a fire trap, just like the GAG said. At 2.25 a.m., the south side of the building was in flames. By 2.51 a.m., the west side had ignited it as well, fueled by the plastic cladding. Somehow, amazingly, several dozen more people managed to escape or were rescued between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., like hours after. Some tried escaping in understandably extreme ways, like a man named Oluwasan Talabi, who initially tried escaping from his 14th story apartment by tying bedsheets together to repel the ground. I mean, hey, it's a thought. You gotta do what you gotta do. It's a thought. Now, a firefighter <clears throat> yelled at him from the outside, like, no, 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 don't do this, don't do this. And fortunately, he and many others were able to escape via the stairwell at that point still, so... The stay-put policy from the firefighting side wasn't officially withdrawn until 2.47 a.m., almost two hours after this fire had been burning. At that point, 187 people had escaped, leaving an estimated, estimated, like I said, uh, it's not, I, I saw conflicting numbers, like over, oh, still over 100 people still inside. After the stay-put policy was called off, 36 additional residents were able to be evacuated or were rescued, leaving 71 people inside Grenfell Tower. Or 70. Hmm. I think it was 70, yeah. Firefighters wore breathing masks to search for and rescue as many residents as possible. Unfortunately, due to sheer infeasibility, they weren't unable to make it past the 20th floor. They did, however, successfully rescue a total of 65 residents. Awesome. Yes. All residents up through the 10th floor were successfully evacuated. Okay. I mean, this is still 24 floors, but that's that's something, you know. The site outside was dangerous, too. There was, like, falling fiery debris. Oh, There's yeah. video of oh, sure. this. So police had to create a wide berth around the building, right? Like, everybody stay away from here. And firefighters were given riot shields to protect themselves. Themselves, because they had to be near there, right? And because this happened just two years ago, like I said, there's plenty of footage you can find from news sources as well as people's home footage, you know, on their phones. Uh, and you can see the falling debris on that. And the fire is incredibly scary looking. It does crackle. It does spark. Yeah. And it's just eating yeah. the tower. Like, you can see it's just it's like a It's it. like a monster. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, really is. It, it is. Witnesses described seeing people still trapped in the building, trying to attract rescuers' attention by flickering their lights and waving from windows. On some of the video footage, you can hear people screaming for help. 
Witnesses also saw some people jumping from the tower in very sort of 9-11 fashion, um, which we've kind of, I think, feel like we've kind of talked about before. It's sort of the idea of, well, if I stay inside, I have zero chance of surviving. Maybe if Vesna Volovich can, if I, can if survive I, a plane crash. If I jump, I've got a 0.05%. Which, which is are, better. Those are better Measurably, odds. Measurably better. So, so. And, and several people were found to have died from falling as yeah. opposed to smoke inhalation or burn. So by 4.44 a.m., the building had been completely engulfed in flames. Firefighters continued to work as the sun began to rise, including rescue attempts. This is a picture of the... It looks like fire. something out of a movie. It really does. Like a, it looks like a mini towering inferno, like from that movie. That and it looks like it just like some like something out of a dystopian novel came yeah. true. You know. Well, look at how high it's rising in that landscape too. You well, know? because everything in this part of the world—well, not everything, but certainly here—everything is so flat. Oh, you mean like hills wise? Right. Or? The entire city can see this thing. I would imagine, especially look at that smoke. Yeah. I imagine that. I imagine it was very similar to the twin towers yeah. where they could see it from from miles quite a away. Distance. Yeah. yeah, my God, that's yeah, that's that's yeah, a I very know. fair comparison. Yeah, yeah. So amazingly, one resident was rescued by firefighters at six o five a.m. and then another at eight o seven a.m. Wow! And that was the last person to be rescued. Mm. The fire wasn't brought under control until 1.14 a.m. on the 15th. So like 24 hours plus a few minutes after That's it started. honestly not surprising. And I mean, look it, at the thing. I know. And it wasn't fully extinguished until the evening of June 16th. That's not surprising either. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's not surprising. It's just horrible, I guess. Hold on. I've got... Oh. Here is a picture of flat 16. This is the kitchen where it all started. Mm. Completely burned up. And here's the tower after the fire. Wow. It's just charred. Mm-hmm. It's just all charred. Yeah. 70 people died in the early morning hours of June 14th. Victims were from 106 of the 129 total flats. That's a huge majority of the flats. Two people died on the 11th floor and all other deaths were occurred on floors 14 and above. The 22nd floor, which is the 23rd story, had the most deaths at 14. 14 mm. people died on that floor. Some victims ran to higher floors in an attempt to like escape up at least so you know it could get controlled underneath and unfortunately that led to their deaths on those higher floors. Only two people successfully escaped from the top two stories. Wow. 74 of those who did escape or were rescued were sent to the hospital with 20 in critical condition. Now, I did say 70 people, right? The total death toll was 72. Let's get into this a little bit. I will, I'm going to be sharing a, on all our social media um, a link to a really great website, um, metro.co.uk. They have an article where they literally get into the details of every single victim of the fire. And I think that's fantastic because they name them, they show pictures of everybody, and they they say, like, so-and-so was an artist. So-and-so was a mother of four. I mean, do you know, like, 
the the horror one of the worst things in my humanized yeah well one of the worst things in my opinion about disasters is like that's what most people remember about that person these people had lives years leading up to this and yet this is the thing that's remembered so i appreciated that they put personal information in there like this is a person this this was somebody's person too you know or multiple people's person so just to give an overview um, remember, this was an apartment building, so it's a place where several hundred people lived, and just like any slice of 300 people in any area, especially a world city like London, there are people from all demographics, all walks of life, all phases of life. There were people who had lived there for years and years and years, people who had just moved into Grenfell. There was a really upsetting number of children who died, including... Um, uh, a six, I believe she was six months old, an infant who died in her mother's arms, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, kids like who are 12. Um, at least one pregnant woman died. Mm-hmm. Some family families got split up in the confusion of the flat fire, so some survived and some didn't. And multiple whole families died as well, including at least one family of six hmm. where the parents and all four kids died. And several other complete families as well. Uh, 60... This is only going to get worse before it gets better. I'm so sorry, guys. 68-year-old Marjorie Vital and her... Or maybe it's Vital. And her son, 50-year-old Ernie, were found dead. And they had died hugging each other. Hmm. A number of victims were over 60, including the oldest victim, an 84-year-old woman named Sheila... And in many cases, victims had been in contact with friends and family members in the time leading up to their deaths. Again, time of mobile phones and everything. The 71st victim of the fire was a stillborn baby. His mother, Andrea Gomez, named named him Logan. Uh, Andrea had been injured in the fire, was unconscious, unconscious, and her injuries resulted in Logan's heartbeat stopping mm. so she had to give birth to him stillborn and he was the there he was recognized as the youngest victim literally being newborn not even making it to that unfortunately the final victim of grenfell was a 17 72 year old woman named maria del pilar burton she had been injured at Grenfell, and she just never fully recovered. She remained under medical care for the rest of her life. She suffered a stroke in January of 2018 and died on January 29th, 2018, the final victim of Grenfell. Hmm. Um, now, while we know who all the victims are now, it's important to know, and we'll talk about this next week, that it, the process of identification took weeks. So some people were waiting for weeks to hear about what had happened to their loved ones. So I wanted to end this on something that one of our very faithful listeners and friends, Lee Hutch, uh, messaged me about. He asked, this was a couple weeks ago, he's like, hey, have you uh, recorded the Grenfell episode yet? Because we teased it in the Ronin Point Mm -hmm. episode, right? I was like, no. And he's like, would you mind mentioning something? Um, it's just it's just something I feel is pretty important to say. So I'm, I'm actually going to read his message verbatim because he's an author and put it very well and very um, eloquently. And I, I think it's an important thing to say. So this is this is a direct quote from Lee. 
The mental health needs of survivors of disasters often goes overlooked. The fire brigades in the UK are light years ahead of us here in the States when it comes to providing mental health support for their personnel. In the States, since 2017, more firefighters have died by suicide than in the line of duty. It's the dirty little secret of the job. I was almost one of those statistics. So please get help if you need it, firefighter or not. Asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Hmm. So thank you, Lee. I thought that was very important. And from what I understand from our listeners who have reached out from the UK, this was traumatizing in so many ways to so many people. Regardless of the people who knew people there, like who knew the victims at Grenfell, like, people were watching this unfold, and that's incredibly disturbing. Right. There's, like, a secondary witness trauma, I think, that can really go on in those cases. It kind of reminded me of the, the few videos that I watched. Mm-hmm. Because this was, uh, this was a mistake. It was, a, it was an accident. Right, it was an arson or something. It differs from 9-11 in the sense that 9-11 was a crime. It was a terrorist right. attack. But after watching a couple of videos, it, it reminded me more than anything mm-hmm. of New Orleans. Oh, now, Katrina? New Orleans has made it hasn't completely come back, but it's made quite a comeback oh, yeah. since then. But I remember watching the newscast for the first couple of days and you're like, a major historic uh, American city is like done. It, yeah. it was just it was just yeah. that. Sh- I think the whole. So I think 9-11 throwing uh, New Orleans on top of it and then having the financial collapse. I think I think kind of the whole world is in a state of PTSD right now. Yeah, yeah. I really I, think so. That's that's I think that's a that's a fair assessment. Just each of these each of these things that happens that's so I mean I'm I'm not someone uh, so <laughs> I get that a lot of people um think and and I would correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're in this group think that there's something that ties us all together, right? Like a universal consciousness, the force, right? Sure. Whatever you want to call it. And I, I think there is something to it. I think there's a certain energy that okay. everything has. Fair enough. I, I'm not personally a believer in that, but I, a lot of people are, and I respect that hugely. Also, I do think there is something, whether it's just all brain cells in our individual brains or whether it is something more spiritual than that, there's something that when we see human suffering, it's traumatic to us on some level. Is it traumatic in the same way to the family members of these victims? No. Obviously not. But that's not to discount it. Right. And I, obviously people who have dealt directly with it Obviously, like first responders, oh my goodness, how they even managed to do that I is beyond me. That's amazing that they're willing to do that. And it's so needed and, and so wonderful. Um, and they're putting their own mental health on the line, let alone their own lives on the line and physical health. That's that's incredible. But it, it also, it can't be discounted that, yeah, it's also... At least secondarily, tertiarily, whatever, and like kind of traumatizing the rest of humanity. When something happens to a group of people like this, 
we all see ourselves in that. You know, we can see we can see ourselves reflected in these horrible disasters and this. Oh my God, I feel like I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> all right, well, I'm getting so morbid. But I, I, I. I think everybody completely understands what you're saying because, I mean, you'd have to be somewhat of a sociopath not to feel something yes. about this. If somebody's not touched by this, there's something mentally Like if wrong somebody in like an Entertainment Tonight style fashion is filming this. Right. And being, like that's just grotesque. That's yes. just disgusting. Yes. I mean, if you have the right to do it, but, you know, we know who those people are. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah there's a... And that's the, th- I think that's also a thing because so many events now happen in real time because everybody yes, has video yes. and everything is. There's a lot of witness to stuff now. So you're seeing a lot more. On the spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's hard. It, yeah. It's it's a different time than what people used to see and witness. Well, it's a completely different time than what anybody thought was going to be even like 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, like nobody. Yeah. Nobody was anticipating this. You know, all that to circle back to Lee's statement. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling, if you're having a hard time. It doesn't even matter why. It doesn't matter if it's because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that's really scary and horrible and everything else. Even if you're not entirely sure what's going on, mental health is incredibly important and you absolutely should get help. I have. Because I've definitely dealt with some mental health issues, and it's incredibly important to get that addressed because there is help available. So that's just super important, I think. Um, can I can I say something to lighten the mood a little? Sure. So I think we I think we all need it. <laughs> I think this is part of my own brain because researching this was really tra- kind of traumatizing too. Um, my I think my brain had like its own little mechanism where it was like, okay, you need to snap out of this for a second here. So you know how I, I know you know, how I get songs stuck in my head a lot. Yes, you do. Especially like playing in bands, I get the stuff what's, that was What's the most recent one? Gypsy by Fleetwood Mac. There was um, another one last week. That Better Man. Could, that's what it was. Mm-hmm, by Pearl Jim. <laughs> Better Man. Better Man. Yeah, anyway. Um, so I think at, like, this happened to me several times while I was researching this. My brain cells were just, like, revolting and saying, no, (laughs) stop, stop, stop. And guess what popped into my head? The most random thing ever. I'm pretty sure it's in the public domain. You ready? Sure. This is literally what popped into my head. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal. (laughs) I can't remember the the actual lyrics. Me neither. That's the only part that just kept popping into my head. It was literally... So so give me a telephone and call me all your own. Because remember, apparently telephoning somebody was a verb 70 years ago. (laughs) Telephoning? (laughs) Uh, where is your phone? I need to telephone my husband. <laughs> what were we watching? Rope. Rope. That's what yes, it was. Alfred Hitchcock. Good movie. Um, yeah. So <laughs> feel free to leave <laughs> anytime. We're, to we're done with all the important stuff. Yeah. But I think it was just like my brain was like, "What's the most absurd thing I could put into her head right now to get her to stop thinking about this?" And it was that. It made me think, also think of the very ending scene in Spaceballs, where they're they're mimicking oh. they're mimicking Alien <laughs> that that song plays. <laughs> so yeah, 
This is a rough one. And we got one more to go, which I think is generally the legacy. Angering. I was gonna say, generally the legacy of these things is worse than the tragedy. From a because we already know. I mean, here's here's the one thing I'm thinking of, especially after Mm -hmm. listening to this episode. I agree with um, who was their prime minister at this time. David Cameron? No, Theresa May. Oh, Theresa May was. Uh-huh. She'd kind of just taken over, though, right? I believe so. Yeah. I'll, I th- she comes up, she'll come up next week. Um, Nobody liked her. <laughs> you're right. Um, which is why she's not prime minister anymore. Well, Boris, uh, what's his name, isn't so much better, but... But, uh, yeah, I agree with, with her and with David Cameron. Like, this episode really drives home the point that we need to get away from a health and safety culture. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Who needs who needs regulation? Yeah. Regulation is the government's way. Oh, guys, <laughs> you have to listen to the Dollops episode. And they've only come out with one as of the time we're recording this, but they're going to do another part on Reagan. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So good. Also featuring Patton Oswalt, who's hilarious. Yes. And I can't say anymore because I'll just want to curse. Mm-hmm. So that's just, I totally recommend it. Totally recommend it. Yes. And speaking of uh, people against, quote, regulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regulations are protections. And yes, there is overreach in dictatorships. And we aren't one, those who live in the US and the UK, despite the way we like to bandy about such words. That's not what we're in. So anyway. So, so, having said all that, yes, for the five of you still listening, <laughs> the, the good we, ones hang in. Yeah. <laughs> we will be covering part three. Yes, on our next episode. Yes, and it's only will... going to last one more. I mm-hmm. can't take. I can't drag it out to two yeah. more. I can't take any more. <laughs> and then I'm hoping we get to something light or miracle sodi or we'll we'll do something. <laughs> we'll do well, something. Yes, we will. We'll, <laughs> we'll do something. Do you know this is episode one twenty? We've done Is this for really? 120 straight weeks. Can you believe it? Wow. Well, technically 118, because on our first oh, yes. week, we, we released we dropped three, three episodes mm-hmm. at once. You're right. Just like the stories on the tower. It's not quite numbered exactly, yeah. But Wow, that was a rough way to end it. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime girl. So this has been another episode of All Bad Things. That was part two of the Grunfeld Tower Fire. I'm David. I'm a contrite Rachel. We'll see you next week.